Hey everyone, we are back for another exciting episode. This week is the one about parades with the one and only Todd Marcacci. We'll also find out what made Beth say. Once we got past the TV area, it was like they turned the lights out in Miami. It was one of the darkest parade routes I've oh. ever been on. Oh. And we were like, it's like a five mile parade, right? So this was, it was really like. And why Cynthia said. It's so secretive. There's not a lot I can say, but I'm excited about this. Yes. Todd, you don't, you don't know Tom yet, but and people will be involved. All this and more on this week's episode of On a Water Break. Let's go. Set it up. Top of the show. Form, check form. Cover down. Do it again. Run it back. And we'll see you at the show. Welcome to another episode of On a Water Break, the podcast where we talk about everything you and your friends are talking about at rehearsal on a water break. I'm Jackie Brown. This week is all about parades and the stories and advice we have coming up from our special guest clinician, Todd Marcacci. This warranted two weeks of episodes, so make sure you are subscribed in order to get notified when part two drops next week. This week, Beth talks to Todd about how he became the parade guy. But before we get to Todd, let's check in and see who's staff on the sidelines this week. Uh, who's ready to take the Long Ranger first? Beth, I haven't seen you in forever. Hello. Yes, springtime is my busy time. Everybody wants to travel in the spring. So I've been on the road, but I am back for rehearsal and I am here to school everybody on parades. Oh, yes. Uh, Tom. Well, it, I am here uh, and it is not so sunny California today. Oh, uh, but, it, <laughs> uh, you know, it's not raining. <laughs> hey, that's a plus. So, Cynthia. Hi. <laughs> crazy, crazy week up here. So I'm glad I just take, uh, I'm taking some time to be with you and slow down uh, the week and chit chat about stuff that we love, right? Yes. Yes. I love that dopamine kick coming from doing our little podcast recording rehearsals. <laughs> and, and Cynthia, real quick, you just had championships up there, right? In Canada? Just recently? Uh. I think it was a hey, boy, boy. Time flies goes fast. I'd say it's a month ago, but I think it was two weeks ago. So the season is over here. Yeah. Well, by the time this episode airs, it's going to have been a month, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Nicole. Hey, what's up? If you're here, um, you know, it's um, nice and sunny here Ooh. in Ohio. Uh huh. Um, just, um, you know, doing the things and, you know, just happy to be back and doing this podcast again. Also, too, I just love coming on here when I can because before, I don't know if I talked to you guys about this, but you have to listen to yourself a lot when you're a judge. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, it has totally helped me with listening to myself. And oh. I'm not so uh, self, uh, you know, I'm not so self conscious about it. So I love that about this and us. I love that for you. Oh my gosh. Cause that is such a, a point whenever you get to a point where you're like, Oh, I'm just recording myself on something that's fun. And it's not like trying to be perfect at, at right. a, a skill. Oh, I love that. 
<laughs> All right. Well, let's get right into our gush and goes after that. Uh, let's start with Tom. You know, uh, I have I have two of them, and, and my first one has got to be a little bit of gush and go about my, my high school program. We're so ahead of the ball right now for this fall. I don't want to knock on wood yet and and and, and be like, oh, it's it's money, but we've got costuming, we've got show being written and designed already. Uh, it's exciting because normally at my program, band camp, we're still scrambling to find flags. We're still arguing about a closer. Um, so I, I am so stoked right now. It's it's never really happened in the 13 years I've been at this program. <laughs> Yay, that's awesome. And then my second quick one is um, drum corps starts in like less than a month. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wait, Tom, are you excited? No, no. Yes, just on time. <laughs> <laughs> you are nuts do you like nuts. drum corps you I can't know, tell uh, unfortunately my parents put me in drum corps when I was 8 years old and I blame all this on them now okay. thanks to Tom's parents <laughs> thanks Tom's parents that's awesome <laughs> Cynthia what do you want to gush and go on about this week there's so many projects that I'm, they're secret right now. So I cannot, it's so secretive. There's not a lot I can say, but no I'm secrets. excited about this. Yes. Todd, <laughs> you don't, you don't know Tom yet, but people will be involved. So yeah. So I'm going to guess you're going about things that I cannot talk to you about, but I'm, ex I'm excited too about drum Corps season. I was super happy to see um, auditions uh, April last week for a lot of people. People got contracts and I'm really interested to see how this season is going to develop this summer for them. That is so intriguing. Now I'm like, hmm. Ooh. <laughs> like, Cynthia, please. Just I, don't even, I don't even know what she's talking about. Let's like, just say you're going to hopefully, hopefully you're going to hear me often um, in different podcasts. Oh, Ooh. I like the sound Ooh. of that. <laughs> Probation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I'm in a gush this week and about, um, virtual competitions because I, you know, those of you who know Spintronics, you know, that we, uh, have done a lot of things for color guard virtually. And several years ago, we started a virtual color guard competition online and we kind of did it for a couple of years. And then, um, it, it, it was super popular for like a year and then it kind of fell off after that. And then of course, when COVID came along and everything shut down and everything went virtual, it was like, Oh, well we kind of already know what we're doing here. Um, but also like we've kind of been watching these virtual competitions grow and there is one, the CGN does a virtual competition and it has been growing the last few years and I've been watching people kind of get involved with that and so I kind of want to gush about that a little bit because I just had a lesson with someone who is doing a CGN solo this year and it's it's really really cool um mm -hmm. CGN for anybody who doesn't know is Color Guard Netherlands which is a European um Color Guard Winter Guard circuit and they are they're they're so cool, <laughs> um, but they Fancy. do a lot of virtual stuff. And even if you're in the U.S., you can compete in their uh, virtual 
competitions as well. So I just, I love the fact that these exist and these opportunities are out there because like people who live where I am, then like they, they can't necessarily like go to a WGI competition, you know, WGI does solo and ensemble and stuff sometimes, but we can't like just pick up and drive 12 hours to Ohio all the time from where I'm at. So, Mm -hmm. which I think that's the, that's the closest WGI solo and ensemble has ever been is in, is the one in, uh, Dayton or Cincinnati. So yeah, it's, it's great to have virtual, um, virtual options now. That's Uh, really cool. Oh, Cynthia, you have Cynthia, you have you heard of CGN before? No. Okay. Am I, 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 am I like... living under a rock? <laughs> I've never heard of CGN before. This really? is all great big news to me. Yeah. Well, look, CGN, <laughs> CGN <laughs> is Color Guard Netherlands, and they have a, an amazing website and they have awesome opportunities for um for virtual competitions for those of us who are in the US. Um they did have a uh I want to say they had like they helped host WGI in the Netherlands and um they've done a lot of a lot of stuff over the years. I cuz I I literally I heard of that about them when I was in high school. So, I feel like I feel like they're a big thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like myself it's, now. <laughs> you know, it's also part of like the European Drum Corps activity as well. Like uh the yeah. Netherlands has a huge drum corps uh activity as as well. I think competes year round, not just, you know, a few months like we do. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. We need a whole episode about European All right, guard and core. I think yeah. we need to do a whole, uh, I mean, Mayflower here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I think that CGN Mayf- is Mayflower's <laughs> home circuit also. Yeah. 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 They represent it. They have a winter percussion circuit as well. Uh, actually, I've got a good friend that, that that's part of it. Erwin er- er- von Germit runs the winter percussion program there. And Tom, then, hook us up. We need to... Yeah, uh, we, need, we need a new guest, and we need to chat. That'd be a tough one, though. We'd have to flip our schedules. They're, they're daytime, nighttime, you know. Whatever. We've got some Red Bull. We can stay awake. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and if people keep showing up to practice late, we're going to have so much Starbucks, we're not going to be able oh, to sleep. I was not late this week. I'm just going on record. <laughs> To be on time is to be late. <laughs> yes, that's right. The earliest to be on time, to be on time is to be late. To be and late is late. unacceptable, <laughs> and you owe us Starbucks. <laughs> Nicole, what do you want to gush and go on about this week? Oh, um, let's see. Um, I I don't really have much. Just I guess what I was talking about before is just I am really excited about getting, um, you know a little bit diving a little bit deeper into like what I'm doing as far as judging is concerned before the marching band season starts. Um, I have a couple of like, I've taken it upon myself to meet with some uh, judges that have been in the game for a while just to have them like listen to my stuff and us talk and get better at what I'm doing, hone it in on the craft. So do you judge marching band competitions and winter guard or just? Uh... I do both. Do you do both? Okay. And winter run. Mm-hmm. And then did you, do you like, do you have a separate training for each of them or is, are you just doing the WGI training to cover both? I'm just doing the WGI training for now because there's so many tiers. Um, yeah. I've already done the two. And then um, after that, like I, before I do the third one, I want to make sure that, you know, I mean, I'm not overstepping and, 
not getting something done before I'm going on to that because it's going to be a while before I ever get to do any, I think any WGI training. I just want to be proficient for the circuits that I'm in right now. Okay, cool. Beth, what do you want to gush and go about this week? <laughs> well, I'll keep it short. Like, because now that the school year is almost over, that means band camp is going to be starting soon because everybody has these little clinics that they like to do at least around here in Southeastern PA, they do a lot of, you know, day clinics um, for the upcoming, you know, the eighth graders that are coming up to be ninth graders, freshmen and band and things like that. So for us, we've got a little snack surprise. We're going to be uh, bombing some uh, local band camps with some treats from Peak. So Aww. I'm excited about Aww. our little adventure that I can't go into too much detail, much like Cynthia, but I am excited about that. And, you know, band camp is a great time. And it's some of, I think we could all agree that a lot of our fond memories are from camp. I mean, yeah. we have the performance ones, but camp's super cool. So I'm excited. That's so cute mm -hmm. and so sweet. Yes. Exciting. Aww. Hanging out with us since our WGID compression episode is Lex Holland, known on social media as at Blonde Caramel Twist. They are definitely definitely not afraid to speak their mind. So in our newest segment, it's time to let Lex let you have it. Go Lex. Hey guys, it's Lex. And I'm going to let you have it with a little bit of technique talk. Let's go. So when we think about technique, we always think about standing in a block, super boring. It's probably super early in the morning if you're at drum corps and we're doing one in one. But really what it comes down to with technique is that you're starting from a firm foundation of understanding and a firm foundation of execution of skills. We want our programs, of course, to do those hard, intricate skills, but they have no business doing skills if they haven't had some sort of technique built to build from, right? Every skill has a technique exercise attached to it. For example, you have pull hits, and what do pull hits build into? That's right, pop tosses, okay? So we have these skills that are building onto one another in order for our members to have understanding. Another one, you have prances if you're going across the floor. And what are prances in preparation for? Exactly, leaping, right? It's in preparation for warming up those legs and jumping into the air, but also landing in that toe ball heel. So you get it, I know. Every technique exercise, every basic skill has a reasoning behind it. And every skill should have a technique behind it, which gives it the reason for being. And the most important thing is training, training, training. It should always come first. So before we ask our members to do a skill, have we prepared them? And if the question is, uh, well, then mm -mm, no, pause. We need to take a step back. We get frustrated as educators because we want our members to achieve the skill and to execute it. But our real question needs to be, have we prepared them to do so? And if anything, I want to leave you with this. If you are at rehearsal, okay, and you are a member and you are in a technique block and you feel like a mess, you feel like, you know, every now and then it's like, I feel like I don't have my wits about me. You're in the perfect place. 
if you are in technique block and you feel like I could do this in my sleep, I'm perfect, whatever, you need to quit and like join another sport because you've mastered the sport of color guard. Because technique block is never going to be perfect. You're going to have good technique blocks. You're going to have great technique blocks. But it's never going to be perfect, and that's exactly how you want it. You always want to be striving for that perfect release point, for that perfect soda shaw, for that perfect double, right, catching straight up and straight down. You know, you always want to strive for that. And it's never quite going to be what you want, but you will get there. You will never start there. And that is okay. Because again, technique and basics is your foundation. And you've never seen a home be built from the roof down. So start with your foundation and slowly but surely that beautiful home will come to fruition. Fruition? You know what I mean. That's all I got. See you later. Okay, so since this is all about parades, who has a good parade story? Oh, my God. People always ask me, what is different about being international? And let me tell you, about parades, I've never done one. I've never done one. I don't. Every time I would be in. um, Yes. (laughs) I I don't. I may be lying. I may have done one or two, but usually I marched. uh, Hawthorne Caballeros and Brigadiers. So they do weekends or holiday parades and we don't have the same holiday. So we always leave before as Canadians and I've never done a 4th of July. I think I've never done a never. So, yeah. We have also a lot of made up um, reasons to have parades too here in the States. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Day. Uh, the one I remember most growing up in Boston was called Dot Day, Dorchester Day. Uh, it is the worst parade. It is all uphill and just nothing but drunk people throwing beer at you. <laughs> one, that was cool marching that parade, but um, not so fun uh, trying to be a performer and. <laughs> Oh my god, Tom. <laughs> Small town New England gave you Yes, very great. yes. Got it. Okay, that's great. Well, I when I was in high school, we actually marched in the Orange Bowl parade, um, in which at that time was in Miami and it was on New Year's Eve. So we flew down to Florida for our typical Disney trip and then uh marched in the Orange Bowl parade. Uh, but it is New Year's Eve at night. And so we did our, we did the thing where we came around the corner and I think it was, um, I don't know, some type of weather dude was, you know, announcing us on TV and he mispronounced the name of our town. So everybody at home was miserable because they didn't say it right. But once we got past the TV area, it was like they turned the lights out in Miami. It was one of the darkest parade routes I've ever been on. And we were like, it's like a five mile parade, right? So this was, it was really like where are we going? You know, we felt like we didn't, we couldn't see well, and it was crazy. And New Year's Eve, a bunch of high school kids, after the parade was over, they loaded us back on the buses to drive back to Orlando, which is like a five hour trip. Well, they stopped at a Bob's Big Boy restaurant at like quarter to midnight so that we could celebrate New Year's (laughs) at Bob's Big Boy with ginger ale. And yeah, so my Orange Bowl parade is... (laughs) It was quite the adventure, and it, if you ask anybody I went to high school with, they would they would all agree it was it was quite quite the time. Oh, oh, high school! Oh, high school! <laughs> uh, 
I, uh, Christine from Guard Closet has sent us a story, so I want to toss it over to her. Here's the Long Ranger, Christine. Hey, this is Christine, one of your producers for On a Water Break, and I've got a parade story for you. When the Penn State Blue Band marches in a parade, there are two separate bands. What happens is, is that there is a full winds instrumentation in the front and a full winds instrumentation in the back with the drum line in the middle. When I was in the band in the mid-90s, we were marching a parade and we had a rotation of fight songs. Play one fight song, drums in between, play the other fight song. Well, somewhere along the way, one part of the band, I think the section that I was in, lost track of which fight song we were supposed to play. And we ended up with two different fight songs being played at the same time. That didn't go over too well, and thankfully, the next time around, when we played that fight song again, everybody was playing the same fight song. Have fun in your parades coming up. Oh, my God. (laughs) Don't. Oh, my God. You know, that happens when the the drum major holds up a one or a two. Someone thought it was a three or a one, and what are you playing? (laughs) Well, and in what? Miami, it would have been very dark. We wouldn't have been able to see. So I'm telling you, it would have been like, you know. You know what you would have needed, Beth? You would have needed some glow sticks for your drum. I was just going to say that. Glow sticks would have been great. <laughs> they should have been on our, well, we're, I'm so old that we actually had flash bulbs from the old style cameras that we had on our uniforms. Whoa. Ooh, yeah. Oh, Stick a paper clip up in there and, and yank it out and the flash goes off. Oh. Kids today, there used to be these things called cameras with film and those little <laughs> things, so. All of our young followers. All of oh our young gosh. followers. You know, ask, ask your grandparents about flashbulbs and they'll probably be able to there tell you. There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I have, oh my gosh, I have so many stories of, uh, from parades just because like, well, I love parades. You know, I grew up doing parades in high school and then like did all of the parades in college and, and whatever. But like, uh, and we've done so many 4th of July parades for, um, when I marched drum corps and now Spintronics does 4th of July parades here locally and, and Christmas parades. They're so fun, but really my, most of my best stories come from the Macy's parade because I've been doing the Macy's parade since 2009 and it's just so big and there's so many people there. You never know what you're going to see. You never know what kind of craziness is going to go on and it attracts so many people from all over the country. So there's just always some great stuff. Um, probably my favorite story is like the year that I met Jimmy Fallon. I got to like shake his hands and I got a picture with him and I got to talk to him. And then like, I got to talk to the roots and take a picture with them. And, uh, (laughs) I went like, as I'm like leaving to go get lined up with the band, I was like calling my husband to tell him that I, just met Jimmy Fallon and he was calling me to tell me that his sister had just had her baby. So, uh, so her, my nephew was born on Thanksgiving day and it was just like crazy that I looked at my phone. I was like, Oh, he's calling me. What on earth? So that's probably yeah. my favorite. <laughs> it's not really about the parade did itself, they, but did they, did they <laughs> name their baby quest love? I mean, you just they put the not. roots. Did they, name the, they did not name the baby quest love. Okay, <laughs> I just, I, <laughs> missed opportunity. The best celebrity I ever met in a parade was Jake the Snake Roberts. Oh, good. Still? Still? Come on now. Of course you did, Tom. Of course. Oh, I met I met one this year who uh, the kids would probably go nuts over, all of our band kids. Trombone Shorty. 
was the one oh. who I met this past year. He was he was so cool. That's all I gotta say. He's so stinking cool. Yeah. <laughs> he is. just like sweats cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's neat. The only time I had a cool one uh, of any of the parades I've ever done. First of all, I've always thought that every parade should have been like the parade um, on Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> oh no, the scene I'm talking about. There's something wrong with your life. <laughs> But there's nobody uh, singing. There's nobody singing. <laughs> right. No one's singing. No one's having a parade in the middle of a weekday, you know. <laughs> so, but um, I always thought that it was supposed to be like that. Now, that I saw, obviously saw that movie before I, you know, joined marching band when I was in high school. But um, we would always do like the Fourth of July's or whatever. But we went to London for the Lord Mayor's New Year's Day parade one year. And that was my senior year. And um, it was, a, I, have a, I have a blank of the actual parade just because it was very long. <laughs> we just marched a bunch. But like that whole, you know, uh, like being in, you know, in London and marching in a New Year's Day parade was pretty cool. There was a lot of different, it wasn't just us being a band there. There was a lot of different bands there. But yeah, I've never had a mishap happen. Um on you know in a parade oh except for the one time they put me on rifle and i was and i'm a flag (laughs) and the parade route was narrow and we were throwing triples which to everybody else on the rifle line was fine they're like oh triple i'm like cutting myself oh no (laughs) arms catching it any which way i could there are people really close to me i was like i don't think you want to stand there but yeah i'm glad that that was over pretty quick too because i was just like I want a flag. I've never wanted a flag so much in my whole entire life as after <laughs> that, that one. That drives me crazy when people are just like, oh, you have to be on rifle. Like, <laughs> I mean, I've done it to kids too, because sometimes you just need another rifle person, but still. <laughs> <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Yes, exactly. To Nicole's statement about not remembering the parade, uh, <laughs> you know, as a performer, you don't have the same experience as a spectator. My, I remember being young and my grandparents being like, oh, didn't you have a good time? No, I walked in a straight line for four miles. I did not have a good time. <laughs> I hear you, Tom. <laughs> exactly. Well, for everybody who loves parades, we do have some previous episodes that we did about parades. We had a Macy's Parade episode back after the 22 Macy's. 2022 Macy's Parade, and then we talked about the Rose Parade and the Mummers Parade, so we love talking about parades on this show, Um, but Beth, I'm going to go ahead and hand the Long Ranger over to you for this next session, so uh, yeah, how was the uh, interview with Todd? Well, full disclosure, I've known Todd for a very long time, back even when I was in high school, I I had met with him, you know, when he worked with our high school band for a couple weeks. And uh, Todd is, is just, he's extraordinary. He's creative. He's innovative. He's smart. um, And he has been doing this for a very long time and it shows. But what I think is most impressive is that even though he has done it for, for a long time, it's always fresh. Every time you see one of his productions, it's new, it's different. I mean, his hallmarks are all over it. Don't get me wrong. You can, you can spot a Todd Marcacci produced parade. It's not like a subtle, (laughs) subtle thing, but I think that it's, it's just remarkable. He is full of ideas. He knows so many people. He is, um, 
and he just wants to do the very best job he can and have the best experience for both sides, for both the participants in the parade, as well as the spectators. And that kind of speaks to what Tom was just mentioning that, you know, yeah, didn't you have fun? Well, he makes it fun for everybody. And I think that's, that's one of the one of the gems that you'll get when you listen to Todd talk about his history and his experience uh, this week with creating parades and his his just love for the activity. Well, I am excited. Let's get right into it. Hey, this is Christine Ream and Chris Green. Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. We can help you with custom flag and costuming designs. Our consignment inventory has plenty of great looks for your color guard, drumline, and marching band. Pay it forward. When you purchase consignment, you help other programs. Last year, we sold over 400 sets of consignments and returned over $125,000 in payments to our consigners for their sales. Additionally, Guard Closet offers custom and pre-designed costumes, flags, floors, and formal wear, full or partial show writing, educational programming, and other services. Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment. The Guard Closet team is here to help you get everything you want and need for your season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media. Hi, everyone. I'm Lexi Judah, and I'm the new host of On a Water Break in Rhinestones. I was a competitive twirler both nationally and internationally for nearly 20 years. Then in college, I became a feature twirler for the University of Maryland. Go Terps! Along my twirling journey, I competed in many world championships individually and with my Wheaton family, earning multiple gold, silver, and bronze medals. Now I coach the next generation of twirlers as they develop a love and passion for a sport I hold close to my heart. Outside of baton twirling, I have a full-time job. I'm a news producer in Baltimore. My goal for this podcast is to bring unique stories from baton twirlers from all over. I'm here to help tell their experiences from performing at the National Football Championships to the Miss America stage. Be sure to follow along to hear from talented twirlers who definitely have stories to tell. Well, we are back at On a Water Break, and this episode is all about parades. And who do we have today as our special guest and our feature guest and a person who is what we call the expert on parades? We are talking about Todd Marcacci, the president of Under the Sun Productions. Welcome, Todd. Hey, thanks, Beth. This is exciting. There's applause, too. <laughs> There's applause. Yes, we have lots of applause for you, for sure. So, so Todd, you know, you and I know each other. We've known each other for a, a long time. <clears throat> and uh, how about you give us a little bit of your bio, like where you started, you know, how you started in parades and how you got involved, you know, go all the way back as far as you want to. Yeah, it's very interesting, and I know the story inside and out. I was uh, five years old, actually, and uh, my mom took me to the grocery store, and she said, what do you want to buy? And she, I said, a roll of crepe paper. And so she brought <laughs> a roll of crepe paper, and we went back to the house, and my grandfather had bought me a uh, farm all tractor that you um, – 
made it go like a bike. Yeah. I mean, it was really nice. It was made out of like whatever metal and stuff. So I said, I just need a roll of scotch tape, mommy. And I decorated the um, tractor and I drove it down the sidewalk like I was having my own parade. Right after that, <laughs> right after that I think it was about maybe a year later, maybe a year later, a parade literally, this huge parade, huge, literally lined up on the streets right outside of our house. And this was in Saxton, Pennsylvania at the time. And I mean, there were bands from everywhere you can imagine around from you know Western Pennsylvania. And the parade got canceled because of a thunderstorm that was coming through. And oh, I was no. being mortified. So it was like it was like that was my first experience of a parade being canceled literally in front of my eyes I'm right in front of you oh my god right in front of me. so then we moved uh right up the road to dudley pennsylvania and um we produced in the backyard three different parades for july 4th i taught my cousins how to march we built our floats uh we had our assembly area we had our dispersal area um, we also then took um, all of the pallets from my father's beer distributor and turned them up flat, and we painted, um, let's say, Greece, you know, the movie Greece. We painted yep. on that for Greece. We painted it for something else from the 70s, and then we eventually did a um, water and fireworks show in the backyard also. And, it, uh, so we in your crazy. backyard? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We had hoses running all through the yard and like floodlights. Um, my cousins danced, like uh, my cousin Anita danced in front of the Grease one. And so we had a whole production. We had a pageant for the, <laughs> the aunts, um, and the grandmothers were included. And then in 1976, and this is going to come around to the whole end of this interview, how this is going to come around. In 1976, in the bicentennial of yeah. the country, Okay, for the 200th birthday, we took the show on the road. Um, we took it to New Enterprise, Pennsylvania, which was um, my other grandfather and grandmother's uh, on my mom's side farm. So I thought I was big time. I was like, oh my God, I have this whole lane, which was like an actual road. Sure, so like, sure. that was the first time. And we, well, my cousins on the Baker side of the family, we worked for months building all these floats and like doing the, doing um, educational things and understanding the constitution and who the presidents were at the beginning of time or in the, in the United States. And um, that parade was so much fun. It was so sunny that day. Um, it went off without a hitch. Um, it was it was great. It was absolutely great. So it's funny how all of those things happened um, during that time. And then one last thing, and it kind of pulls this all together. When I was 18 years old, my dad wanted me to create a parade for the town up above us in Broadtop, Pennsylvania. And it was for... I forget what it was for. It may have been for the American Legion or something like that. And... I, I had to hand type on the typewriter the letters to all the groups, all the bands, and I had 20 different groups. And now imagine no internet, okay? Right. So we got to 20, and my dad said, we're canceling the parade. And <gasps> canceled it because there wasn't um, enough local support uh, oh. from the area community. So in that fact, 
just like the beginning of the story, I had my second experience of a national <laughs> parade. <laughs> so I, I learned at a very young age about cancelization. <laughs> so after your parade, you know, before you even, you know, when you graduated high school, you know, what was the what was the next step for you, Todd? Well, Beth, I mean, I, I have to believe that the higher powers above us definitely had a plan. And mm. who would have known that the purple and gold of Westchester University would be, would have been the start of something I could never imagine. I could never imagine. And thank the dear Lord for my high school band directors, John Hoffner and Dennis Clausen, who pushed me pushed me to go to Westchester University. And once I arrived here, you know, I was in the marching band. I was in the marching band with you for a portion. And, um, and um, I ended up taking over the color guard program in 1988. And then it was through Dr. Wells, Dr. Valella, who then opened different doors and, and thought processes and allowing me to grow. Um, short example, even when I was in band, I got us into the Macy's parade. Dr. Wells didn't apply for the parade. <laughs> I applied for the parade. That was you. That was me in oh 1986. Yeah, that story real fast. 1986, the pay phone in Killinger Hall had more quarters put in it than one can imagine. You know, calling up to Macy's. Um, I filled out all of the paperwork. I oh gave it to Dr. Wells. I said, I need your signature. He said, what is it? I said, we're going to the Macy's parade. Sign the paper. And I, he said, where are we going to get the money? He said, where are we going to get the money? I said, I don't care. Just sign the paper. So then, oh, my um, God. I said, yeah, I sent it up to Macy's. And then um, I kept calling up there from the payphone, which you know is only a block from where I live now. And um, we got in in 1986. So, yeah, it was pretty funny. That's amazing. And that was a big pivot point for that band. I mean, oh, that was huge. they had never done anything like that before. So this well, was huge. Right. I mean, you, know, you have to think of like, you come in, I'm getting chills thinking of it. You come into this program and you're just, oh my God, I'm part of this huge legacy of how long the band has been around. And, you know, I just wanted the band to receive national recognition. So I was like, well, how can I make this work? <laughs> and then, um, you know, then there it was. I did it. Well, so right. So, so you got Westchester into the parade, the Macy's parade, not just a parade, the Macy's parade, the Thanksgiving Day parade. And then did you have any more opportunities then with Dr. Wells? Did he open up any anything else? Did you start anything else? No, well, without a doubt. So whenever he asked me to take over the Color Guard program in 1988, um, it was in 1989. Then we started the Color Guard, the winter Color Guard that we had here at the university called Field of View. Um, and we chose that name. It's a very odd name, but we chose it because of the the vast vision that we had for the program. Um, so, you know, field of view, it's all out there. You just need to focus on where you want to go. And um, so we were in 1989. We competed at WGI World Championships. We were last in the world. Awful, awful, awful. But we made our first step. And then, but in 1990, we ended up in the top 10. We were 10th. At world championships That's so a great I'm really proud of that um, accomplishment so I took the videotape and I sent to channel six thinking that um, back then you may remember that show that was called visions um, yep. I, uh, okay well maybe they'll do a little story or whatever 
Well, they didn't do the story. They handed the tape off to the Thanksgiving Day Parade producer and the person who produced July 4th in Philly, uh, the parade. Or at that time, it was called Freedom Festival Parade. And um, so at that time, then she asked me to choreograph the finale to the 4th of July Parade in 1990. It was that fast turnaround. So you think championships were in April, then you're in July. Wow. And we performed then right in front of um, Independence Hall, right there on Chestnut Street. And from that performance, which was really, really good, <laughs> it was really fun. Um, then we ended up doing Thanksgiving in 1990, and then July 4th again in 1991. One of the years, I, this was up through 92 or 93, we ended up performing with the Philadelphia Orchestra on the uh, Art Museum steps. It was all colored art. It was all just focused on that. And it was so fun. It was a recruiting tool for us, too, because we were able to bring in people from every aspect since it was a summer activity, you know, volunteer, basically. And um, But through that, that then opened the door for me to come on board with a, a company that was working through Channel 6 to start helping produce the Thanksgiving Day Parade in Philly. So then that started in 1993. Um, and actually going back to 1991, 1991 was my first grand finale that I um, uh, staged and choreographed for the Thanksgiving Day Parade and still doing to this day. Um, so that's how many finales through time, <laughs> how many Christmas songs, how, how many college creativity. <laughs> um, but that, you know, that led to that step. And then it led to, you know, being the assistant producer for the July 4th parade back in the nineties and things just started to cascade. Um, and then eventually I left that company and then started my own company, which under the sun production started 1997 and then officially incorporated in 1999. That is quite a journey. I mean, that's, that's the short version. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Reader's Digest version. Yeah, it's the one that, but I mean, how remarkable to think about where you started in your backyard, literally, and then to be putting on productions on a national stage. I mean, we've got the, so you've got all the Philly parades, and then you start under the Sun Productions, and that opened even more doors for you. Yeah, the the big, the biggest one, I mean, this will always go down in my mind, and I didn't mention that there were a few boat parades in there that's b-o-a-t parades um so then um i was hired by um the celebration committee i forget the name of it um but that was from 2000 when the republican national convention was in philadelphia and um i was giving i was given quite a good budget to work with and uh produce the opening gala for the republican national convention However, it was outside, and however, it was a boat parade. However, it had 62 different vessels from a dinghy <laughs> to a massive ship, shall we say. Not a, not, not a big carrier, but it was big. So um, literally coordinating that on the uh, Riveter River, uh, Governor Christie was, or not Christie, oh my God, Mary, what's her name? The, 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 the female governor from New Jersey was there. Um, Ed, Ed, Governor Whitman. Rendell. Uh, Whitman, yeah, Christie Whitman, Governor Rendell. Every single delegate 
from all the states there. And um, that's the night that uh, there were judges. We had a judge. I did ask my sister to judge. She brought my father. My father then has his first heart attack 30 minutes before the parade starts. Um, so, but um, it was quite interesting. But then, um, you know, that we also, my Lord, besides those boats, we had um, a barge in the middle of the river with dancers on it. And we had fabric coming up and the dancers were projected up onto the fabric. The fireworks show was just over the top spectacular. I mean, the whole thing is just, oh, I mean, there were just millions of lights that we use. Each of the boaters created their own themes um, for every single state. I should say that every boat actually represented every state and territory. I need to say that too. So um, it's just funny to think that fast. Think of that. That was in 2000. I just graduated college in 87. So that was only 10, what, 13 years later that I got the opportunity to do something that major. That's incredible. I, I can't. I can't fathom it because I don't work. My brain doesn't work that way. Yours clearly does. And you've put on amazing productions. What, what have you been able to do with under the sun then, you know, carrying you forward? What are, what are some of those advancements you've made? Oh Lord. It's just amazing because, you know, you talk about, you know, people that are important um, back in the very early nineties, no later nineties. I'm sorry. Um, I got introduced uh, to a producer out of Disney, John best and um, from best entertainment. And the two of us started doing a lot of things together. And so he's like a television type person and I'm a street person and an artistic person and all that kind of stuff. And the two things uh, glued themselves together very well. Um, so through that, then we've added then the very well-known National Cherry Blossom Festival Parade in D.C. to the uh, menu, the National Memorial Day Parade in D.C., the National Independence Day Parade in D.C., uh, July 4th in Philadelphia, the Salute to America Parade, um, the Magnificent Mile Lights Festival Parade in Chicago, um, the 6ABC Duncan Thanksgiving Day Parade in Philly. Um, then currently right now, it's the Visit Philadelphia Holiday Parade. Those are the current ones. Um, you know, we've also done a lot of work with Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City. Miss America Parade did, I don't know, six of those producing, six or seven. But then years ago, I used to judge that. Um the Hershey Centennial Parade, that that was one of the ones that'll go down in history. We had groups from literally Idaho, you, you, California, you name it, came to little old Hershey for their 100th anniversary. And, um, you know, when you add up, well, I just said maybe like 10 or 11 parades, well, Governor Randell's parade too did that. Um, but when you add them all up, it's just under 200 parades in a lifetime so far. That's a lot of marching. <laughs> That's a lot of marching, a lot of planning, a lot of figuring. And um, it's so funny, like we're still still learning. You know, I, I just came up with a new concept. I mean, Jeremy would probably be impressed. Um, but, you know, change some of the methods in the way I've done things for decades, literally decades. 
And, um, you know, like for people's itineraries, I have a whole new system the way we set it up now, and it just makes so much more sense. And I said, why didn't I think of this 20 some years ago? <laughs> so, you know, you're always learning. Um, the cool thing, especially really for a lot of the parades and Cherry Blossom is one, and then Chicago, it's turning into that um, to where I get to really, really, really design the floats and like literally design them and make a lot of the stuff. Uh, what you see behind me right now, I'm working on for Juneteenth parade in Philly, which we're not producing, but these are going to be the the floral decor for the uh, bike rack behind the television cameras. So we do it from A to B, C and D, and all the way to Z. <laughs> a to Z, for sure. Especially, I mean, building the floats too, that's that's a next that's next level. That's why you are the expert on parade. Well, I, you know, there, there's a float company that builds the floats um, for, you know, all the parades. But, you know, when it comes down to, I'll just use the easy word, zhuzhing them or putting that or putting that Todd flair on them. Um, I'm just going to say, you know, and hopefully this will encourage people to really appreciate the gifts that they have been given in life. Um, for some odd reason, when I was born on February 9th, the planets lined up in a really odd position. And I was so fortunate to have had my father, Guy, and my mother, Carolyn, be my parents because something happened. And the two of them gave me um, gifts. And I don't, it, it's almost really overwhelming to think about how fortunate and lucky I am to do what I do. And it's all because of what they're what they gave me <laughs> and um you know and i was uh, you know as i already mentioned so appreciative of the people that have given me the opportunities to continue advancement to where we are now well i can't think of a better place to take a breath um it's been amazing to get to know todd and all that he has done with parades but be excited because he is back next week to talk more about what goes into a parade, and maybe some tips for those of you out there that can do for your next parade. Hi everyone, it's Tim Hinton, the beast of the marching arts, the host of the Marching Roundtable podcast, and the creator of MarchingArtsEducation.com. I've just um, taken a little water break here, and I thought I would share some information about what's going on at the Marching Roundtable. But first, I want to say, wow, congratulations to everybody for the incredible, great, successful work and season we just had in the indoor activity this winter. Wow, all the stuff that happened in Dayton was really inspiring and exciting. It was great to see your passion on display. Thank you for all your hard work, whether you're a designer, a director, instructor, performer, parent, support person, all these people make the activity happen, and wow, are you impressive. Now, here's my thought for you today. Make sure you take some time to rest. That's right. Right now, people are jumping right back into auditions for the fall or getting ready for drum corps. You know, the cycle just keeps on going. But I want to tell you, make sure you're taking some time at the end of this momentous season to rest, to reflect, take long weekends, take evenings off, if you're like me, sometimes I just have to schedule that on my calendar. I'm not going to work on this night. I'm going to take some time and do something, hopefully I'd like to say, that doesn't have anything to do with the marching arts activity 
just enjoy some time off, rest, take care of yourself, because we'll very soon be jumping right back in. You need to be rested, healthy, uh, mentally ready for everything that's about to happen. So take some time. I promise you'll be glad you did. This week at the Marching Roundtable Podcast, we have another in our series called Three Things I Wish I'd Known When I First Started Teaching. This is Gene Monteristelli, who's a very important visual judge in the, in the earlier years of Drum Corps International, now is working with drum majors in a very significant way at DCI. You'll love hearing about things he wished he had known when he first started teaching way back when with the Troopers. And also, next week's podcast is focusing on education and a competitively driven activity. This is two really smart folks from Southwind Drum and Bugle Corps talking about how they have a successful season with their students, focusing on education and gr- helping those students grow, while, of course, being in the middle of competitive activity and wanting to do very, very well. And don't forget, there was a recent podcast with the crew from On a Water Break that I think you'll really enjoy. And one more thing, watch for a webinar coming up on May 24th with Ron Vereen talking about grant writing for not-for-profit arts groups. Jeremy, thanks for including me. This is Tim Hinton, the Beast of the Marching Arts. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Todd, for coming. Again, you can find him on Facebook with his company, Under the Sun Productions. So, Beth, what can we expect next week? What were you most shocked or interested to find out from this first interview? Gosh, there's so much. It was such a such a fun time talking to him, listening to him mostly, which is great because he's full of stories. And I mean, he could fill a book. You know, this could be his own documentary series about Todd Marcacci and parades. Um, but I think the idea that he had this instilled in him from such a young age, you know, I think some of us don't actually get that exposure to the this this art form until a little bit older. But he was he was so young when he really started even with an awareness of parades in general. And I think that's one of the things people will be really interested, you know, when they, when they heard his story, it's going to be like, gosh, what was I doing when I was five? I was not thinking about parades like that or making oh, my definitely own. So, not. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's definitely, it was, it was remarkable. And, and I think that uh, what's going to be interesting is, you know, when we talk to him next week, you know, maybe hearing a little bit more about that, um, you know, from from his point of view in terms of where parades are going and what's what's in the future. Um, I think people might be a little more, a little surprised to hear some of the things about parades that aren't as popular. I, I know I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, a lot of programs don't do parades anymore. You know, uh, you know, financially down the road, it works out for you. But I can understand at the time to get offered, you know, a little bit of money, which doesn't even cover the bus now for the kids to get there. That's hard to go. Yeah, let's do that parade. So uh, this would be really good for band directors to hear. It will be. And I think I think when you listen next week and you know, make sure you stay tuned and subscribe so that you make sure you know when next week's episode comes out. But I think, you know, Todd's got some really good ideas about what we can do to support the, the concept of parades and to support more participation, uh, whether it's your small town, your local fireman's parade, or, you know, if you're going whole hog and doing Macy's or Tournament of Roses, you know, that the, the art of the parade is still thriving if we just allow it in. So stay tuned and listen for Todd's, uh, <laughs> Todd's information. And he's got some really great ideas and re- really solid reasons as to why 
and what the benefits are to every program in every town. Oh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm so excited to, to uh, hear this. For those who are listening, we don't necessarily get to hear these interviews, even as the hosts beforehand. So like when I tell you, I'm super excited to listen. I'm super excited to listen to it when the rest of you hear it. So <laughs> yeah, I feel very privileged. I'm the only one that knows right now. Yeah. Aside from our producer, but I know, I know something you don't know. Well, let's shine a spotlight this week on our friends at the Drum Major Leadership Academy. They are here to give us some leadership and drum major tips each week. So take the long ranger. Hey, what's up, Never on a Water Break podcast? My name is Will Brady, and I am bringing you your tip of the week. This week, I'm talking about parade drum majoring or leading a parade block. The biggest thing you want to keep in mind with any parade block is your commands. If you use whistle commands or if you use vocal commands, you want to have really good enunciation or really good separation between your pitches on whistle really crisp commands and really project out. Use a lot of air support under there. It's gonna help communicate to your ensemble effectively. Um, and it's gonna make sure that everyone's on the same page because you don't want any confusion, especially stepping off. If you have a larger ensemble, more than 175 members, I'd suggest considering with your director if you want to start your step off command from alongside the ensemble. If you're a solo drum major, that would be right beside the drum line. Or if you've got a team, that'd be kind of interspersed either in halves or in thirds. That way, the person setting tempo, your center snare, is going to get a really solid command, um, as well as your whole band is going to be able to hear you, and you're not leaving out the back end of your ensemble. That being said, it does mean that you're going to have to race up your band to get back in front. But what are drum majors for if not for doing a little bit of work, right? Another thing you could implement with your ensemble is a pass it back type of command. You know, If you see a pothole, if you see a curb, let the first person in your front line know that it's coming and have them pass it on to the line behind them and the line behind them and so on. It doesn't really work while you're performing, um, but if you're in a cadence or if you're tapping, it's a good way to let people know that there's something hazardous coming up. And usually at the beginnings or at the ends of parades is when that's going to show up the most. Um, so it's a good thing to kind of discreetly let your ensemble know, hey, this is going to be up ahead um, and not make a big scene out of it. If you are required to salute in a parade, um, that will be done normally at a slide. Um, so especially if you've got a team of drum majors really working on your choreography about when your hips turn, what part of your salute um, is going to be directly in front of your judges, and how long you're going to hold it. When in doubt, hold for eight counts or longer before you break out of that salute, um, just to add some professional candor to your drum major team. And of course, have fun with it. Parades are a really fun way to show off your ensemble. It's a really fun way to connect into the community you're performing in. Uh, if your director allows, I would suggest making it a little personal, having fun, waving at babies or smiling at your audience and getting out of the such a stiff professional band setting 
because it's not as much for your score on the board more as it is having fun and performing well. Well, thank you, Josh. It was great hearing back from you again about the Drum Major Leadership Academy. And, you know, last week I got to interview Jack Gaudreau and his style of flourish drum majoring and what it looks like on the West Coast. We don't see too much of it on the East Coast, but on the on the West Coast and then internationally in Scotland, um, they see a lot of that, which is really fascinating to me that there's such a variance in style and, uh, and mode of drum majoring. And, you know, please... Also, don't forget, we are starting our own little side hustle, if you will, never on a water break because us drum majors are never on a water break because we always have to go get the water if it's not there, FYI, just remember. <laughs> so we are going to focus on those drum majors and, being, and never being on a water break. So stay tuned for where you can download those episodes soon. But in the meantime, uh, it's time to get our history lesson for this episode. Each week, the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum folks are going to give us a little bit of history so we can know what came before us. Check out this week's story. Again, Vietnam was ending, later 60s, early 70s. DCI started coming along. A lot of your designers or instructors, when I'm going to say a lot of the teaching element at the top level was changing. They were becoming more of the professional musician type people or composers. They were coming out and giving you a different outlook. A lot of when DCI started up, they went. To, they were definitely, if you notice, like, even your and part of the reason a lot of groups started dropping out of the VFW regulations. These guys didn't want to do. They didn't want to do color presentations. They went to start producing more showy shows. Stupid way to put it, but showy, more showy. They weren't worried about that part of the activity which kind of forgot about where that activity actually came out of. To learn more about the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum, go to marchingpageantryartsmuseum.org and follow us on social media. Thanks, Bill. The history of drum corps that Stephen and the folks from the museum is coming soon. That is right, Beth. And if you don't follow Drum Corps today on Instagram yet, you should. They are keeping us all up to date with everything that's going on in Drum Corps. So take it away, Jeremy. Hey everyone, Drum Corps today with another Drum Corps news segment. First up, we have rehearsal camps that are coming up. This weekend, there are 11 camps and two corps are moving in for spring training. Out West, Boise Gems have a camp in Caldwell, Idaho on Saturday, May 20th. Blue Devils B have a camp in Concord, California from Saturday, May 20th to Sunday, May 21st. Golden Empire has a camp in Bakersfield, California from Saturday, May 20th to Sunday, May 21st. Gold has a camp in Eastvale, California from Saturday, May 20th to Sunday, May 21st. And Vessel has a camp in San Dimas, California from Saturday, May 20th to Sunday, May 21st. Down South, Arsenal has a camp in El Paso, Texas from Saturday, May 20th to Sunday, May 21st. And Impact has a camp in Orlando, Florida on Sunday, May 21st. In the Midwest, Colt Cadets have a camp in Dubuque, Iowa, from Friday, May 19th to Sunday, May 21st, and Eclipse has a camp in Indianapolis on Sunday, May 21st. Out East, Spartans have a camp in Nashua, New Hampshire, from Friday, May 19th to Saturday, May 20th, and 7th Regiment has a camp in New London, Connecticut, from Friday, May 19th to Sunday, May 21st. Spring training season also begins this week, with Carolina Crown's Brass and Color Guard joining the rest of the percussion section at Garner Webb University on Saturday, May 20th. 
On top of that, on Friday, May 19th, Phantom Regiment moves into their spring training at Eastern Illinois University. Next weekend, there are 14 camps and 9 corps that are moving into spring training. Out West, Pacific Crest has a camp in Las Flores, California, from Saturday, May 27th to Monday, May 29th. Seattle Cascades have a camp in Scapoose, Oregon, from Saturday, May 27th to Monday, May 29th. The Columbians have a camp in Hermiston, Oregon, from Friday, May 26th to Monday, May 29th. The Battalion has a camp in Herber City, Utah, from Friday, May 26th to Saturday, May 27th. Blue Devils B has a camp in Concord, California, from Saturday, May 27th to Monday, May 29th. Golden Empire has a camp in Bakersfield, California, from Friday, May 27th to Monday, May 29th. Vessel has a camp in San Dimas, California, from Saturday, May 27th to Monday, May 29th. Bolt is a camp from Saturday, May 27th to Monday, May 29th, and Impulse has a camp on Saturday, May 27th. Down South, Guardians have a camp in LaGrange, Texas, from Saturday, May 27th to Monday, May 29th, and Heatwave has a camp in Interlochen, Florida, from Friday, May 26th to Monday, May 29th. In the Midwest, River City Rhythm has a camp in Waseca, Minnesota, from Friday, May 26th to Monday, May 29th. Out East, Jersey Surf has a camp in Delron, New Jersey, from Friday, May 26th, to Monday, May 29th, and Spartans have a camp in Nashua, New Hampshire from Friday, May 26th to Sunday, May 28th. Spring training also begins for several corps next week. On Monday, May 22nd, the Boston Crusaders start their spring training at Castleton University. On Thursday, May 25th, the Bluecoats start their spring training at the University of Mountain Union. On Friday, May 26th, the Blue Devils start their spring training at the University of Wyoming. Blue Knights start their spring training in Denver, Colorado. The Blue Stars start their spring training at Waldorf University, and the Colts start their spring training at Western Illinois University. On Saturday, May 27th, the Cavaliers start their spring training at Adrian College, the Troopers start their spring training at Tipton High School, and Spirit of Atlanta starts their spring training at Jackson State University. This past week, Phantom Regiment held their annual Fanathon, where, in addition to talking about their 1983, 1993, 2003, and 2013 shows, they also revealed the design for their 2023 uniform along with the show title. Sticking with the traditional black and white design, with a dash of gold and adding a few modern changes such as a side cape, single sleeve, and a different type of headgear. A bit later, they revealed the title that'll be paired with this design, their 2023 production, Exogenesis. In addition to them, there have also been five more cores to reveal their 2023 productions. Zephyrus will be touring out west with their production, Multiplayer. The Colombians will be making their way to World Championships for the first time with their production, Face Everything and Rise. Blue Devils C will be exploring the jungle with their production, BD Safari. Blue Devils B will be going for gold with their production, Fathers of Electricity. And the Blue Devils will be going for their first ever three-peat with their production, The Cutouts. As of this week, there are 374 brass spots, 83 field percussion spots, 82 front ensemble spots, 414 color guard spots, 6 conductor spots, and 70 additional spots, ranging from team time to administrative intern positions, which in total comes out to just over a thousand spots this summer. All this information can be found on our Instagram page at Drumcore Today, and links to everything can be found at the link in our bio or Linktree, Linktree slash Drumcore Today, and stay tuned for more Drumcore news. So last week in our news, we talked about marching band on horseback in the UK, but wait, there's more <laughs> because this week we're talking about marching band on bikes that made a visit to wait, the US. Wait, Cynthia, wait, 
on bikes. We did <laughs> on ice. We've done it on a horse now. Now we're on bikes. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen in your social media that, um, but in Holland, and then here is the international MI, which is Michigan. Am I right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So they they welcomed a Dutch. Can you call them marching band, cycling band? Um, that <laughs> right? did, that did a show on bicycles to because they have like festivities for the tulip time, like the tulips are blooming. So they invited a Dutch. Um, yeah. Yeah. Again, marching band or on bicycles, and that takes skills because. When you think about, I mean, there's instruments that maybe you can play with one hand and that's something. But when you think about a saxophone, two hands on a saxophone and doing cycling, their hands are no hands oh on gosh. the wheels or whatever, the guidon of the bike. Like it's completely. Yeah. yeah so that's interesting. You just look for them. Maybe there's a video somewhere. That's a hard no for me. I know. I, I, <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I don't. He's the one I mean, that got <laughs> color guard. Right? <laughs> I mean, Nicole, you, you didn't even want to spin a rifle when you're usually a flag. Now, now yeah. put a bike under you. And yeah, see, put a bike you know. under you. Yeah, that's so, a hard no. That's right? a hard, no, most of my students have a hard time just marching. I don't know about a bike. <laughs> well, I'm looking at some of the pictures, too, and they have their claw. I don't, there's a word for their shoes, oh, but they're yeah. actually wearing those wooden shoes while, you know, pedaling a bike. Whoa. They've got Multiple, multiple responsibility. <laughs> and, they, and they do like they did do actual drill, and yeah. it seems to be on like a turf where I cannot. Can you imagine cycling on a turf? It must be not as fast or as fluid as I uh, anyway. So it's yeah. I'm having how do you do it about face on a bike? Like how do you about face? It's not fast. I'm having flashbacks to Blue Stars 2008 when they did the oh, Tour de France. <laughs> There were wheels everywhere. <laughs> oh, I'm actually going to be in Holland, Michigan at the end of June doing a color guard clinic. So that's going to be fun. I don't, that's not the same time, but. That's <laughs> crazy. That's very uh, cool. Well, so I have a news story um, out of Texas, Abilene, Texas. And the Texas's oldest marching band made history uh, this year by appointing the first woman to lead the Abilene Independent School District's Eagle Band. So bravo. I'm going nice. to give a little, right. little thing here. Uh, Amber Moore has been uh, the head band director at the middle school for four years, but now she got promoted. She's not promoted necessarily, but now she's uh, in charge of the high school band. So, yeah, it's a big deal. And a lot of her students are very excited that students that had her through middle school now can follow her up to the high school. So they're excited about that. And, you know, she was really clear in, in her interview about how teaching music and teaching band is not just about the right notes or hitting the right marching dot. It is about life and about leadership and about being, you know, better humans. And we all know that, I mean, we're preaching to the choir, right? That that's, that's what it's about. Cause we wouldn't be here without that, but it's exciting to see that, that, that ceiling has been broken in Abilene and, Hopefully it will it will catch on at more school districts and we can see even more, you know, those that identify female being being leaders of their of their programs. It's really exciting. Absolutely. Oh, well, now I feel like with the story that I'm about to give, um, I should be like Nicole out on the field or next up. But another band trailer has been stolen. Yeah. So, okay. So this was in Northwest Las Vegas. It's an area high school called 
Shadow Ridge High School. Um, and where everything happened, you can still see where the locks were broken and where the trailer used to be. Um, the thing about this is the students raised almost $30,000 to purchase this trailer last summer. Oh, they yeah, they haven't even had it for a year. Uh, Nicole Hubble, who is basically, uh, I think she's like a headband mom, um, said that it's just heartbreaking to see that all the blood, sweat, and tears that they put into helping the Shadow Ridge Thundering Herd, that's what they're called, um, to get their trailer. Um, it, it's heartbroken to, heartbreaking to see them not have it. Um, they raised the money by selling fireworks for the band last summer. Um, wow. nice. They said that somewhere between Friday night and Monday morning is when the trailer was stolen. Um, luckily, most of the equipment and everything, the band equipment was taken out of the trailer. Um, and one of the biggest things that they were saying is that, you know, it's, it's of no money, like as far as like value money wise. But um, this year's seniors all signed the inside of the trailer. Oh, and that was the start of a new tradition. That's uh, come on. Yeah. So that was the biggest thing because they wanted to keep that going for every set of um, seniors that came through. This is not a huge, like a big size band. They're a smaller size band. Um, so before they got this trailer, they would be renting like U-Haul trucks and um, you know, every time, which can be super expensive over oh, the yeah, course that, of the marching band. Sure. Um, but when they purchased the the trailer for themselves, like you could just see that the students had more pride in their program and it was a huge uh it was a huge morale booster for their program. Um uh some information for the people who are listening, our Northwest Vegas listeners. If you see a license plate on a trailer with the number 81776, or, um, and also it has two CCSD stickers labeled unit 8229. That would be something to call, you know, the cops about and see if they could check in on those trailers. Um, is, it, is it painted, Nicole? Uh, it is painted. Um, it is black, and I think it actually has, um, like, a logo on it. Oh so yeah, the band's not out on the weekend. If you see that and about, it's yeah. the band. Call it in. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, so the Shadow Band students are going to be selling fireworks again this year from June twenty eighth to July fourth. And again, this is for our Northwest Vegas listeners. Um, it's located at Ann and Decatur as part of a fundraiser. Um, they are not stopping to find this trailer. This, this is literally in quotation marks from the, um, from the uh, article I read. There ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley low enough to keep the band from finding their trailer. Aww. Yeah, I, I hope they do because, you know, that 30 grand, they could have easily done something really big with, with their program and now they've got to kind of start over again. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, I saw pictures of the group and it's a small group, but like that's a, and honestly a trailer for any group is a, is a huge, that takes off a huge, huge stress on day to day. And especially the weekends when you have to be, you know, at a show. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully they find it. And I really hope that whoever is starting this, it just seems like a really bad TikTok trend, but whatever. Um, 
I, I just hope they look at this and see, hey, listen, <laughs> this trailer means more than what it would mean to you monetarily. So For like, sure. leave it alone. And it's on a it's on a school it's on school property. Leave it alone. Yeah. Stop. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, Nicole, I love to hear you, but I hope those segments are over. We never have another right. episode of your where Same. we've lost another or we've stole another. Like, mm -hmm. I, I'm pretty sure you have other things that will be so interesting to hear about. People just need to stop this. It's not, good. not cool. Yeah. Mm. Well, Tom, why don't you cheer us up with your news story? Well, yeah. I've got some uh, fun stories about people wearing wigs. <laughs> <laughs> what? This is like really the first indoor activity, but it, it's it, a <laughs> colonial colonial Williamsburg fife and drum corps it is one of the oldest uh, styles of drum and bugle corps, right? Without bugles, with fifes, yep. and happening in Williamsburg um, this coming weekend, the nineteenth and twentieth, I think it is, is their annual call to drums, and it's kind of like. I don't know, for us drum corps folks, it's DCI finals. It's it's a uh, gathering of all different uh, fife and drum drum corps from different different states and counties coming together and and kind of competing, I believe. I, I'm not quite sure if it's if it's judged or if it's just, you know, like a jamboree style thing, but um yeah, it's if you ever if you haven't seen fife and drum corps It's it's the rawest and truest value of where the activity came from, you know, a fife and a drum. That's where it started. Um, and, you know, the folks wear the original clothing from the time period and and play original that. charts. Yeah. Uh, some of my friends that do the colonial drumming, chops, chops galore, you know, and uh, they love wearing the costumes. You know, that's like a huge part. They're like, I get to dress up still. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> okay, everyone. Thank you so much for a great rehearsal this week. Thanks to our hosts. Thank you, Todd Marcochi. We'll be back next week talking more about parades and his thoughts on how your band can make the best impression using a parade. Thank you, Tom, Beth, Cynthia, and Nicole. Thanks, Whitney and Lex. Don't forget to follow Lex at blonde.caramel.twist. As well as Bill from at Marching Pageantry Arts Museum, underscores in between each word. Josh from the Drum Major Leadership Academy at DMLA Training. And Jeremy from at Drum Corps Today. Go subscribe. Write us a review. Write us some good reviews because I want to read some reviews on this show. Uh, share yeah. this episode with a friend. Follow us, on, follow us on our social media at On A Water Break. And we'll see you at the next rehearsal on A Water Break. Go practice. <laughs> Subscribe. <laughs>